welcome to the Even Keel. Here we have conversations on anything maritime. If you have a story to tell, reach out and we could tell you to the world together. Seafarers make a very significant contribution to the daily rhythm of our lives. If you reached out for something now, that thing probably has been at sea at some point in time. And if it got to you safely, it is because seafarers carried it across the oceans safely. And yet, you have probably not heard of them and what they do. They remain largely invisible. You only get to hear of them when the mainstream media brings you the stories of serious maritime accidents. Today with me is my batchmate and friend Captain Abhay Kumar. Welcome Abhay. Hi, good morning everyone. Nice to be on board. Bala, thanks for the opportunity. Hi, thanks Abhay. Uh, Abhay, you remember uh, back uh, uh, during our training days in Chanakya, you, you, we used to have to dive into the pool from that uh, eight meter high boat. Uh, I used to be so tentative and would, you know, slowly creep my feet along until I just dropped into the water. And I remember you, you, for you, it used to be this rush of energy, you know, when it was your turn. I remember you used to run across the boat, jump high into the air, somersault, and then, you know, land grandly into the water. Uh, wh- where did all that energy come from? I don't know, Bala, probably what to do with the fact that I'm just a water baby. Yeah? Water has been my first love right from day one. So nothing better than that. Okay. I mean, no surprise at all because, uh, I mean, uh, going back to uh, the last 25 years, you've been uh, you've been in fixtures, post fixtures, you've been in operations, strategic planning, you've sold and bought ships. I mean, uh, vessel performance, it's been it's been a very, very, very uh, largely interesting uh, journey. You even, uh, I also hear you speak at uh, various events and uh, you're even teaching the uh, extra masters and that's beyond uh, uh, this thing so i think it's no wonder that there is so much of energy in you and that that's that's still there you're also a member of the indian council of arbitration so i think there is no surprise at all that uh, you know that energy is still uh, very much in you yeah bala we do what best we can yeah with what we've got i've uh, just you know we try to live as many lives as possible and Shipping's been my first love right from day one. Yeah. So I, I I try to do everything that comes on my plate, which is probably why I'm here with you today. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on board. Uh, what, we've been at, I mean, we've been uh, working now for 25 years now? Yeah, man. It's 25 years, man. 95. Uh, okay. So, I mean, in this last 25 years uh, uh, and with so much of experience behind you in the various roles that you've been doing, uh, would you see the sea to be a dangerous place? Yeah, as well, a career, as a career, I would say that you know I think uh, shipping is the uh, simplest and cleanest way of making a living. Yeah, I think you get paid for services rendered, and uh, it's good money, and it's uh, you know I wouldn't say it's easy money, but it's clean. So I definitely say that there's definitely something to go for shipping, but it's not. It's not the easiest of lives, but at the same time, you know, I wouldn't say it's dangerous here. You know, these are, like the Chinese say, may you live in interesting times. So I think right now with COVID and with all these uh, things going on, I think stress levels are high and definitely times are interesting. But I wouldn't describe shipping as being dangerous. I would say that if it's done right, if it's done well, uh, you know, it's not dangerous. I mean, crossing the road is dangerous. Yeah, very well said. If the ship, uh, the the safest place for a ship to be, I hear, is in the harbor. So, uh, 
yeah i think that's 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 a point well made it's in, it is interesting times indeed uh now with everything that is happening around us uh, you know you remember the exxon valdez case uh, that was uh, captain hazelwood uh, he, he was possibly one of the uh, first high profile cases where you saw a, a seafarer being uh, criminally uh, liable so uh, yeah that's that was something uh, that was i think the one of the first times where it uh, became absolutely obvious that you know you spill the oil and you're going to be taken uh, to jail and for many years in the 90s and in the in the 90s i think um, it was the biggest fear of any chief engineer or any master that uh, you know if you go to a port and you spill the oil before you know it and before you can blink an eyelid you'll be behind bars which in many cases happened as well and i think that whenever any legislation comes out and whenever there is a precedent it takes time for it to uh, be understood and absorbed and stabilized when in, in its application in case of the exon valdez that's what happened i think yeah all right uh, be, no this chief engineers uh, being uh, you know scared of uh, going into port because of something that may have done i think that has also got a lot to do with how the uh, united states coast guard went after uh the whatever the reasons may be but i i very seriously or uh, strongly feel that uh, uh, uh making that a criminal uh matter was something uh, that should not have happened in that case because uh, honestly uh, the united states did not have jurisdiction for something that is done in the high seas and they would come up and pull people up for uh, uh falsifying records and obstructing justice and then uh, hold them criminally liable and uh, arrest them and that went on i believe uh, uh, maybe not in the cases of oil pollution as the us coast guard were taking up but uh, you would remember cases um, with a prestige you know uh, where a very senior master uh, with a almost almost blemish free uh, career uh, and you know the career that such a long career was capped with time in jail uh, which for decisions um, uh, which i thought uh, many people said were right Uh, yeah and then beyond, beyond that there were even more many many cases you know tasman spirit uh, uh, that was going uh, into karachi grounded broke into two uh, the karachi eight were in jail uh, and uh, we also don't have in india a great uh, uh, record the cement guard ohio in uh, tutikorin where a lot of uh, uh, people were arrested the hebe spirit in korea yeah. so i think there is there is a long list of uh, uh, precedents in this case and uh, i'm afraid uh, we are all seeing that again happening again with the uh, wakashio yeah absolutely i think uh, see like you like you just said and it's we can talk about a, a laundry list of events you know but where i feel that uh, people uh, don't uh, realize that the shipping is a massive industry we carry a lot of cargo and accidents happen accident happen even on the road but uh, in the case of shipping i think all news is bad news yeah whatever comes to light in the media is always a negative uh, it's it's always has a ne- negative connotation and eventually that overshadows what we are actually doing i mean if you think about it 90% of the world's goods are carried by ship 11 billion i believe the unctad report of 2019 exactly. 11 billion you yeah. think about it i mean the numbers are staggering 75% of the distance to the moon and back that's a distance an average container ship travels i mean there are 2000 sailors that kill get killed every year in shipping 
the the gdp of uh, a country like uh, the uk is affected by the shipping business i mean shipping is so efficient and so cheap that it's cheaper to pick up scottish salmon in scotland send it to china get it clobbered there and bring it back <laughs> to scotland that's yes. the efficiency at which shipping runs it is economies of scale so people tend to look at only the negative media coverage and they forget all this so having said that like you mentioned about the chief engineer getting scared going going into port and you know it was it at one point you know the uscg the port authorities anybody who's done a uscg inspection will tell you they follow the book man they don't they don't necessarily have an understanding of merchant shipping so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a major legal connotation to what we do and we as seafarers do not we don't we never thought about this nobody talks about it nobody addresses it and obviously if people thought it was going to happen to them they would never go out to sea so the probability of it happening is minuscule but it takes only one incident to till the scales so i definitely feel that uh, there needs to be more information put out there and it needs to be taught and told to officers going out to see that this is a possible scenario and be prepared yeah definitely i mean uh, i mean no two ways about it but um, uh, having said all that abhay i mean right now i mean you must have uh, we've read in the news about uh, the uh, captain of the wakashio being arrested and maybe even the chief officer there are reports that even he has been arrested now hearing something like that hurts now this is a very very unfortunate incident uh, i mean you cannot in any way justify what happened and the enormous destruction uh, that the ecology uh, is going to sustain possibly for uh, years and uh, uh livelihoods getting affected uh, the fishermen the tourism the uh, so there are a lot of things that are getting affected i'm not commenting on any of that it's definitely hurtful even that but what hurts us uh, you know uh, before we have uh, uh anything actually out there uh, one of the first things people look for is a scapegoat and uh, uh, sadly uh, the person at the deep end the captain and sometimes the chief officer and others uh, they get arrested so that that really hurts but uh, uh, what hurts uh, me abhay i don't know maybe you could comment on this also i mean i don't i don't know what your point of view on this is but the way the media they're so cavalier they are sharing names and it's very reliable uh, media houses who are doing this they are sharing names they are sharing photographs now uh, you know these men out there they're fighting their own battles uh, they've had it difficult now with their names out in public uh, probably uh, you know you're bringing in their families and now the families are having to fight their own battles now this narrative that is being built up by the media i'm afraid it could influence uh, perceptions and i i wonder what does uh, what does anyone gain by publishing names you know other than uh, you know a scapegoat and some sensation my perception uh, my perspective on that uh, bala is that uh, one when the incident happens the person who's on the spot is the master the officers on the ship right mm. the people who are affected are the ones that are there so there's nobody there to put a balanced perception on this entire scenario 
So the person who comes in at the receiving end is the person who's there at that point in time. So basically what they're doing is shooting the messenger. They don't understand that it is not just the master who's deciding how the ship goes. There's an entire company sitting behind him. There's quality, safety, health. There is the 10 checks that the passage plan goes through before, you know, anybody else, um, before it's actually executed. There are people giving uh, a, a weather routing. There are people telling you how to go, where to go, what's safe, what's not safe. And we, so it's not fair to nail down the master, especially if you are innocent until proven guilty. We don't know whose fault it is. But the fact of the matter is that the perception matters. And there have been cases. There have been cases where the oil has been spilled in the Singapore Straits, in Singapore, by a well-known tanker company when the vessel ran, ran aground. And they went out guns blazing. This was very, this was early, this was about 20 years ago. They handled the media. They told them what was happening. They spent the money. They said what they would, they said what they would do and they did what they said. And they handled the media and it worked out well for everybody because they had a good media presence. And Singapore is not a country where you can do whatever you want and get away and nobody's looking. You know, you can't grease a few palms and things will get moved. It doesn't happen like that. So the point being here is that, again, this is a an area where most shipping companies lack or how to handle the media. You know, how you handle the media is how you control the perception. How you control the perception is how you can tilt the scales in your favor. So, by when I say favor, it doesn't mean, you know, unfairly. It means that you're putting the correct picture out there and then the cookie crumbles the way it does. But the bottom line is that in today's day and age, and I'm talking, this incident was 20 years ago, we can pick up the learning from there. And in today's day and age, it is even more magnified and more important because anybody on the ship can just send out a WhatsApp signal. You send out a WhatsApp, you send photographs, you send random comments. I mean, loose lips, sink ships. That's how it works. So controlling that, controlling the media, but not to an extent where they feel that they are not being told everything. You need to keep them informed and informed in a way that that is uh, balanced and sensible. Because when something like this happens, there are insurers involved, there's companies involved, there's millions of dollars of liability involved. So you cannot go out and say everything. But it is fair to tell them what they need to know and tell them enough. So how you handle the media and how you handle that perception is something that shipping needs to learn. It's high time. All right. You brought up a case that was more than two decades old. but uh, And uh, uh, you mentioned also that they did handle the media very well. But uh, what, what you are trying to say, if I understand it correctly, Abha, is that uh, uh, there is uh, this beast out there and it's the crude reality. And uh, you are suggesting that... Uh, we as an industry buckle up and handle the media uh, better? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every shipping company has a corporate communication there. It matters. And they, we've done courses and it is, people have addressed this issue, you know, where they've, they teach you how to handle the media, what to say, how much to say, stand in front of a camera and give an interview 
and say that this has happened and this is what we are doing and this is how we are handling it and we will keep you updated. It matters. It shows because shipping as a business is very secretive. Nobody knows who the ship belongs to. It's owned somewhere, registered somewhere else, operated by a third party. So the owner could be sitting in Japan, registering a ship in Panama, operating it through Singapore. So it's all over the place. So people get very uncomfortable and they get very suspicious. So when a shipping company stands up and steps up to the plate and says that we will take responsibility and we will do what is necessary, it will it it goes it it goes a very long way. Yeah, I I see. I think a lot of the reliable media houses that cover uh, maritime, most of their uh, news reports are behind paywalls. And it doesn't get to the uh, the common man. You need to pay a lot of subscription fees to read a, a reliable uh, news report uh, from uh, uh, from one of those media houses. And uh, the the media reports that you can actually read uh, out there on the web are mostly uh, on, on speculation. You're talking about Wi-Fi. You're talking about birthday parties. You're talking about you know uh, whatnot. But it's all out uh, because of speculation. I think. I think there should be. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, one of those media houses that cover the uh, maritime. Uh, this thing. I believe these kind of news should come uh, from behind the paywall and made accessible to the public. Yeah, but that is true, and there's nothing. There's no harm with that. But if uh, the ship owner steps up to the plate and puts out a press release, everybody is just you know backs off. Okay. You know that's what I'm trying to say. Because once once you know, the fire stops burning when there's nothing left to burn. So if I step up to the plate and I say that this is what will happen, this is what we are doing. The media are also made of just human beings. They go from, you know, stepping into the unknown and the fear of the unknown to now knowing. So uh, I think that would kill the anxiety, kill the speculation. It would, uh, it would take away the sting, if I may. Yeah, I think when I have been speaking about media, maybe I forgot that they are also human beings and they also cater to human beings. Yeah. Because for me, for me, this is something you know that uh, stirs emotions. But uh, yes, I think uh, the media is also uh, you know they are possibly human beings trying to make a living and trying to cater to human beings, other human beings uh, who wants to read uh, interesting things. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. And, so and the thing is that what you're saying is absolutely right. The more they stir the emotion. The more papers they sell. Yeah. But the point of the fact is that you have to act in a human way. You cater to your emotions. But the fact is that shipping is a business. You know, we need to, it's got liability. It's got millions of dollars that need to be handled by somebody. You know, so uh, this is not a place to get emotional. But I would say it is also not fair to be devoid of emotion when you are handling the press. You need to you need to have a human side, and that that's what tilts the scales in many cases. Yeah, definitely. Because for me, uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe even for you, but for me, uh, you know, uh, this is something that's very close to heart because it's something that I could have been on that ship in command, and uh, you know, I could have been that person who was uh, who's being handcuffed and. Uh, uh, you know, taken away to jail. So uh, it's so close that, you know, it could be me. And Absolutely. that's why so yeah. many people uh, feel the same way. I mean, even today, I mean, I have uh, dreams where I feel, okay, I'm on the ship and I suddenly see a whole bunch of rocks in front of the bow, you know, 
and I'm thinking uh, uh, anchor double ring full stern you wake up with that that's that's any seafarer's biggest nightmare you know something like that and I think everybody has one you know that you I, I I agree I agree with that uh, I've landed up in that position where your second mate third mate somebody did something and you know maybe somebody garbled the gps signal and we didn't notice it you know so you think what you've done wrong and you want to correct yourself and you want to drive but the point is that why that happens is probably because we went out to sea when we were 18 years old yeah some of us went when 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 we were 17 so it's all we know it's what we grew up with when people were taking their girlfriends out uh, to dates in college canteens we were scrubbing decks and cleaning bilges so we've not seen anything else this is our life this is our whole life and now we're 25 years you're still in shipping i'm still in shipping what else do we know of anything else so being emotional about it is completely justified and i think there's nothing wrong with it but eventually where i think the rubber hits the road is where you are not devoid of emotion but you deal your deal with, you keep uh, keep in keep in mind that shipping is eventually a business and there only that much room for emotion yeah i i i get that uh with all this i think i mean i'll just move on because there is something else that uh, the uh, 2020 is not a good time for i believe the world uh and especially uh, even so more so for us uh, a few uh, we uh, you know some time ago we heard about the the uh, explosion in beirut and uh, that also was something it is uh, you know a very unfortunate thing so i i did some very brief reading on it and uh, you know uh, uh correct me if i'm wrong but uh, what i uh, what i read is uh, you had a first time ship owner and uh, uh, he had some cargo to uh he found some cargo uh, to carry to carry across to uh, uh beira if i'm right and then uh, uh on on his way he found some more cargo and which was in beirut so he went into beirut to load that uh, extra cargo so he could make that much more money and then uh, go across the suez and uh, once in beirut uh, he was uh, detained uh did i did i i think you must have done some reading on it yeah, uh, did, did i get that right yeah i actually did a lot of reading on it and uh, i tried to understand what actually happened now this is uh, you know a lot of it's 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 an accident happens when there's a chain of events one event does not lead to an accident it's a domino effect so something like that happens and when you i i read a couple of media reports where they said that the ship was going from georgia to mozambique and had to pass through the suez canal and uh, the uh, ship owner got another cargo and he went into peru to pick it up that's nothing great everybody does that that's the job of the ship broker the ship broker's job is to find you cargo which is on your way all the uh, general cargo ships that we sailed on the liners that's what they did they picked up cargo from one port to the next and you're on the way you're loading discharging same port that's how you run your fleet efficiently but the media portrays it like it was the greed of the ship owner this is not greed of the ship owner the ship owner is running a ship to make money that's his business so if he gets the cargo he will go and pick it up but in this case the ship was not of standard so they went into beirut to load heavy machinery which was basically road road making equipment like road rollers and things like that and they tried to load it onto the deck and they found that the deck was not taking the weight so either that either deck was being overloaded or it was uh, not in a good good enough condition so they did not load the cargo the master put his foot down and said i will not load the cargo and uh, 
he had the ship in port he had the agent there he had the port workers there so the agent was looking for his disbursement the port was looking to be paid for berth hire and uh, the owner disappeared he stopped answering the phone calls of the master and eventually the ship uh, was just laid up and waiting finally uh, after a certain point in time they had to free the berth so they put a lien on the cargo put a lien on the ship and took the ship off and put it near the breakwater and just held the ship and held the crew and uh, this is something that you know for an outsider is something you know how did this ever happen you know but for us you and i we know that this is not a new story we've we've been to ports where we've helped helped out a fellow seafarer who'd been abandoned by his owner you know it's not news but uh, the ship was at the breakwater and they kept putting posters out saying that we are not being fed we are hungry we have no money and this and that and yeah in photographs of them the ship was there for a year and they were being initially they were selling the diesel from the vessel which is something it's not wrong when the owners abandoned you you know you have got to get your food from somewhere right so they were selling the fuel eventually they pump broke down they couldn't start the generators they couldn't sell the fuel they were living off what other people were giving them other seafarers would walk down to the ship and give them food and money and water and that went on for a year and eventually after one year they got the owners to finally uh, fly these guys back home and uh, the owner said that the cargo owners had run away with the bl and they didn't know whose cargo it was and they couldn't catch hold of the cargo owner so the cargo were they put a lien on the cargo and let the cargo sit in the warehouse but the point is that it's okay. it's great to have a lien but a lien is only effective when you have a counterparty if nobody comes to claim the cargo nobody comes to claim the ship what are you going to do with the lien so the judge said okay we close the matter here there was no expert uh, witness taken there was no uh, precautions taken that it is explosive dangerous cargo and another point i kept reading in the media was that you know dangerous cargo is being handled at sea dangerous cargo is being handled at sea all cargo <laughs> is dangerous cargo all the fuel is coming by sea all the gas lpg is coming by sea you know there's so many dangerous cargoes that come in container form the chemicals are coming by sea they say it like it's big news and uh, that eventually the cargo that stayed in the warehouse with the humidity became hard and started caking and it became like hard cement blocks over a period of 5 years to 2013 to 2018 and 2018 2020 when the actual blast took place so the last 5 7 years that cargo has been sitting in the humid air and getting hard and eventually what happened was that they tried to do some repair work at the at the warehouse they were welding the door the door the the welding uh, the weld made the firecrackers catch fire the firecrackers went all over the place and that eventually lit up the lit up the ammonium nitrate which led to the big bang i believe 170 people that died and yeah. massive amount of destruction this destruction that's going to cost money and it's going to become a massive reinsurance scandal because this is money that lebanon does not have so it's 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 a big deal but the point is that it's this the, the ship and this, the shipping company was out of the picture 7 10 years ago and eventually the ship that was lying at the breakwater was not sold it sank there it got a hole in the ship side and the port authority said that okay we will get it repaired they said it but they didn't do it and eventually the ship took on water and sank and it's still there so the cargo didn't get sold the ship didn't get sold so it's not 
the shipping company and the ship owner you know they were doing their business okay they would you can say they were substandard or this and that that's all fine that's another story completely but once the cargo came into the port you had the judge you had the port authority you had the customs you had immigration you know everybody has got a set of rules to follow so it's not just you know one thing it is probably a cultural thing maybe that's how things are done maybe they didn't realize it was so explosive but they basically sat on it for you know more than half a decade okay uh, but uh, what would have been pragmatic in this case now uh, of course uh, it's i mean things are done and dusted there but if we were to go back to those uh, you know uh, that was uh, 7 years ago and if uh, we could do something about it if you were in a position to do something about it what was most pragmatic that could have been done there well it's very simple yeah it's, it's it takes a whole it's it's an entire legal process you know but it's been done before it's been done recently in dubai when one of the uh, well known gas companies uh, which has gas carriers their ship was in dubai didn't manage to pay the dry dock fees and eventually the ship was sold it took them 5 years to do it but they've done it and they've sold and they've taken the uh, scrap value of the vessel and paid themselves and paid everybody else who was uh, pending to be paid so it takes time and there's a way of doing it but the point is that you have to set things in motion in this case uh, they have not set things in motion so is that a failure uh, in governance definitely. Uh, definitely you see when the judgment is passed and the, the lien is put on the cargo the the lawyers and the judges and the judiciary are not seafarers right so they treated ammonium nitrate as a cargo like any other cargo you know which is not fair they needed to hire somebody who was a maritime expert taken their expert opinion and done what what would have been what we call would would have been what we would describe as due diligence you know what we call seamanship you know that 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 is what i think that is where they lacked and then why they sat on it for such a long time is something that uh, i can't understand because it's money cargo is money the ship is money even if the ship is is substandard you still can sell it for scrap you know money is money and everything's got value so i don't understand why they did that but uh, that's something that they have to answer yeah i i don't think we can even discuss begin to discuss that we are speculating based on our very little information that we have uh, you know that we have gleaned of the media and uh, whatever other sources we may have but uh, yeah so we are in no position to make that uh, judgment but yes it is it is disheartening it is very very disheartening to uh, see that uh, if you go to the back story of what happened in beirut uh, you will uh, read about uh, seafarers being abandoned uh, substandard ships being detained uh, you know somehow the whole process uh, where, what Uh, when whenever whenever they make uh, shipping the villain they talk about the flag state uh, substandard owners uh, substandard ships uh, owners with no addresses somehow everything uh, seems to uh, uh, sort of fit, fit into this jigsaw here in uh, beirut and uh, uh, and the explosion that has happened uh, which has caught the attention of the entire world uh, hopefully i believe that uh, uh, uh the people who had the wise, wise men uh, so to say will have some uh, uh, some changes uh, you know i don't know maybe in regulation yeah, maybe in the way it's done the point of regulation 
is that you know IMO has regulation, but IMO has regulation at sea, and IMO so IMO puts out any regulation to the state, and the state has to enforce it, and state mm-hmm. enforces it via the MMD, what we have in India, or the Director General of Shipping. That's how they enforce it. So that enforcement is at the ground level, at the state level. That is something shipping in IMO and all can't do much about. You know, it's about the state taking ownership of their land and their water and their safety, which is what was lacking here. Yeah, so I think I think in effect, what uh, uh, I mean, shipping is something that's regulated by so many parties that uh, you just can't uh, uh, easily just point a finger and say that this person could have sorted this out. But I think there is a, there are a lot of uh, you know uh, functional resonance among, among different functions uh, that bring about uh, the safe carriage of cargo. So the eleven billion tons of cargo that uh, the shipping has carried safely. Uh, that has happened, but then yes, uh, that's something that uh, remains in uh, you know obscure reports. Absolutely. But uh, but uh, what we get to hear is what the media wants us to hear: the Beirut, the Wakashio, mm-hmm. Roses. Bala, they called us the silent service, man. You know, and yeah. when we were sailing back in the day, when there was no communication with the vessel, you know, it was you know you had to send out a telex, and you know, getting to talk to anybody from the ship was practically impossible. You did it on the SSB and, you know, things like that. Those days were different. People, you know, uh, the 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 term silent service came from there. And the good master was the one who handled the show on the ship and was never heard from. He was the good guy, <laughs> you know. He handled everything. That was a good master, good chief engineer. They ha- the problem comes, they handle it at their level. Because in those days, there was no option but to do that. You understand? But today, yes. the, we need to change that perception, you know, and I think by sitting here and talking to each other and trying to put this out there, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to change that perception and trying to tell people that you're looking at one process, you're looking at one wakashio, you're looking at one hijacking, you know, but look at the other billion tons of cargo that we carry. What about that? You know, so you've got to put things in perspective. So people are looking at it in a very myopic view. You know, and it's very easy, you know, to say the ship came, ran aground, spilled the oil, blah, blah, blah. That's all fine, you know, but... They were having a party, they came yeah, to Wi-Fi. There's more to the story. There's more to that story, definitely. Definitely. And it's not. And the thing is that you splash photographs, man getting arrested, master got arrested, chief officer got arrested. You know, that, that, uh, that, that makes people think that uh, something's happened, something's been done, you know. There's a closure, you know, but that does not actually solve the problem. A revenge. Yeah, call it call it revenge. Call it what you want. <laughs> but the point is that the reasons still stand. Why it happened still stands. What needs to yeah. be addressed, addressed still needs to be addressed. That still remains unchanged. You can keep arresting people and doing whatever you need to do on the on the outside of it. You know. Yeah, I think that's that's for another discussion. I have very strong opinions on this, but yes, uh, that's that's for uh, that's for another uh, long discussion, I believe. Uh, Abhay, I mean, yeah. Before while we were just prepping, uh, five ten minutes before we started, uh, you were you mentioned about the the Nobu Su. Uh, I honestly, I I told you then, but I'm telling you again. I really don't know much about it. Uh, you want to speak about that? Yeah. Um, see, Nobu Su is uh, he is uh, he. It's been in the media and things like that, where they have you know. Uh, he was actually uh, he went to jail because he was not. He's a Taiwanese uh, shipping magnate. He's a Taiwanese shipping magnate, and he was not able to fulfill his agreement, you know. 
and uh, he signed an ffa agreement with another counterparty and the market went south and they, they were they lost a lot of money and he was not able to full, uh, not able to pay back and uh, whatever happened uh, you know push came to shove and eventually went to the went into a, a legal tangle and eventually he went to jail in london and uh, he is still under subpoena and has to report to charing cross station on a daily basis the point being that okay maybe this is not an apple to apple comparison but the point is that that is that is shipping that is the nature of the beast you know so we uh we are we are up in arms as seafarers seeing that we are being singled out you are not being singled out you know it's uh, not to say that it's fair or unfair i'm not getting into that i'm just trying to say that you're not being singled out because that is the nature of shipping is the nature of any company you know where directors don't perform they may have an issue whatever legal this that what happened to vijay malia blah 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 it happens but instead of being up in arms about it we have to understand that we live in a real world so it is better to be prepared and teach and tell our officers our captains everybody that is better to look at things from a legal perspective and be prepared and learn and know where you stand what you know is what's going to save you you know information is king so learn and try and look things from a legal perspective you know there there are there are the various books that are sent on board for um, for seafarers to understand how an investigation is carried out what are they looking for you know many times things happen it's an act of god it's an it's an oversight and oversight can be forgiven negligence cannot the legal perception of negligence and the legal perception of an oversight are two different things but the bottom line is still the same you didn't do a certain thing that you supposed to do and that led to something else happening an incident or an accident you did not do that thing because it was an oversight and you missed it that time or you were not aware you were supposed to do it and that's complete negligence these are two different perceptions that the court looks at so this distinction a seafarer needs to understand and every time we go on board the ship all these guide to investigation blah 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 all that is there for this purpose when you're making a case when you're trying to defend yourself you need to know how to do it from a legal perspective the guy or the usg guy or the psc person who's coming on board to investigate an incident may not necessarily be a seafarer he might be a naval architect he might be a naval commander you know so you need to put yourself in a position where you understand the legal part of it even when you're driving a car you're given a driving license when you hit somebody you exchange insurance information and then insurance takes care of things you know so that if we i can understand something as basic as that and everybody drives this is something along the same lines it is the nature of the beast so instead of being up in arms about it and you know saying that it's not fair let us deal with the reality be prepared and educate ourselves in how to take this forward okay so you spoke about negligence and oversight now if you were to take this particular case of akashio is there something uh, where you could say i mean we don't know if it was done or not done but something that you feel could have come up in the news certain things that they could have done before the unfortunate event i see the thing is what i believe in something very very clearly that the ship never forgets the sea never forgives 
that's just the fact of life an incident is one incident man it will finish you off and when i was in my, when i was sailing back in the day i was a 20 year old cadet i was told by my master at that point in time guys who were you know 35 years at sea that you have to have just that one incident and if that happens you know if the incident don't doesn't kill you the investigation will so it's better to make that extra effort spend that extra 10 minutes delve into the situation drill it down make sure you're you know you're you're prepared it's better to be in that position than to be answering questions later on so do it right do it right the first time and do it right every time that's what we're paid for that's what seafarers are paid for it's not like we're doing something great out at sea you're being paid to do a task repetitively again and again load discharge sail load discharge sail that's what you're supposed to do do it repetitively and do it perfectly and do it correctly every time that's what you're being paid for do it right every time uh, i i'm okay uh, i am not sure if you know that's actually something that uh, uh, that everyone can manage every time but i i get i get the point i mean you know we need to be yeah, conscious about it everybody is human don't get yes. wrong i'm not saying that this all all lands on one person's shoulders no you're a team on board by one person falters the other one has to cover up and overall the finished product should be you know a safe passage so because we are not perfect because we are human beings that is why you have a margin of error you have a plus minus on both sides and you have to stay within that that's where i that's that's how i look at it you know it's not like mistakes will not be made mistakes are made every day and everybody every master has the same ticket every person is licensed to you know take a ship out to sea but every master is not the same just like every president and every prime minister is not the same you have good prime ministers and you have bad prime ministers you know and everybody has an opinion about it but the point i'm trying to make over here is that the overall product as a team it's not just you know it's not just the ship it's not just the company it's your safety as well so the entire team the finished product the bottom line should be a product of the entire team's efforts and one person has to compensate for the other so eventually things are as close to perfect as possible you will never get a 10 on 10 or a 100 on 100 but as close to that as possible because there is always a margin of error on either side yeah i i get that uh, okay but uh, honestly i would still want to be up in arms about it for a while at least because i think you know well, we need to make the noise so that uh, it gets heard yeah but 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 yeah not, but i get your prep i'm not saying that it's right it's not right but it's okay you know yeah i, I get that yeah. the way they are i'm not saying it's, it's it's correct i would rather live in an ideal world and i would rather live in a perfect world but that's not an option yeah but what i gather abhay is from uh, your pragmatic suggestion is that you know seafarers educate themselves and uh, they try and uh, avoid uh, negligence uh, that should be what uh, you i mean if, did did I, did i sum that up right yeah absolutely absolutely it's better to be prepared because this reality is not going away anywhere and nowadays with the media the way it is you know there's so much stuff that just flies around there yeah? i mean imagine 30 years ago to get the photographs we get on whatsapp you know yeah it's impossible man that even an investigate in, in investigation a guy who goes for investigation will not be able to get those kind of photographs you get them on your whatsapp now 
get yeah. your you get a moment to moment update now this has happened now the ship is aground now it's leaking oil now it's broken now it's stored now it's scuttled <laughs> you get yeah. almost you within within a day of it happening you know about it correct uh, so anyways uh okay uh, once uh, if i if i if i sum up our conversation of what i gather is uh, uh, criminalization of the seafarer or unfair media coverage now this is something uh, we may have to live with but uh, approach all this pragmatically try and be as uh, as careful as uh, we can so is that uh, uh, would that be a reasonable uh, summary yeah absolutely absolutely we need to do uh, from our end what we can you know and eventually when you're going out to sea you know i always say you cannot eliminate the risk completely you know there's always an element of risk you're against nature i mean you think about it you know a ship is 25 days out at sea with no assistance that's a that's a miracle in itself you know so there is a risk going out there there's a risk going against nature you know you don't know what you're going to see out there and every insurance contract even to this date it's called part of this seafaring adventure they call it an adventure yes adventure, adventure yes. you don't you can't foresee every possible outcome you know so having said that we need to do our job yeah we need to do our bit we need to take pride in what we do and we need to do it well that's what i'm trying to say and this is what i'm trying to say is that the legal angle of it the, the legal uh, aspect of it is something that is part of our job which people don't see you tell a second mate that you have a passage plan and this is going to be you know this is going to make you legally liable and this could end up in a court of law he probably can't even picture it but in an event that's the first thing that happens yeah i i get that uh, so uh criminalization of seafarer unfair media coverage this is something uh, we have to live with and deal with uh, pragmatically anyways i often wonder if the movie sully would uh, have been made had the uh, landing gone wrong anyways uh, thank you so much abhay thank you so much for coming and hope to have you again thanks a lot bala it was great fun thank you very much it was thank you